This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. I'm, oh, I am going to laugh. <laughs> oh, I'm reading this. Oh, who is this? Paul. Lister Paul just emailed me this. Welcome. So first of all, phone number 877-973-7425. I'll get to those of you on hold here in just a second. Uh, but Lister Paul, I was talking about Jennifer Granholm and her EV tour across the Southeast and what a disaster it was. And so he sends me this. This is the the transcript of the interview with one of the reporters. Uh, Granholm says, clearly we need more high-speed chargers. Reporter says, we were sitting in the back of an electric Cadillac Lyric and went on to talk about the federal push to incentivize chargers and green manufacturing. Granholm says it's been a blockbuster. Reporter says, but then Granholm gestured at her press secretary, fanning herself, asking for some air conditioning here because it's hot. Her staff had actually turned off the air conditioner in the car to make the car charge faster. This was one of several charging stops where charging went slower than it should have been. Seriously, though, Granholm says, reporter, yeah, it's really hot. Granholm, way hot. Reporter, can you open the door? So we actually interrupted the interview at this point to step outside the vehicle. <laughs> so they're, they're on the EV road show. They can't find enough chargers. The chargers they find aren't charging fast enough. And they want to turn off the air conditioner to try to get the car to charge faster, which is debatable whether or not that will actually do them much good. Goodness gracious. Uh... (laughs) Wow. Just wow. All right. So. We've got some folks who, uh, uh, more than anything, have wanted to talk about their 9-11 experience, which I'm, I'm on this particular day, always happy to entertain in other calls as well. Uh, I do want to talk about the New Mexico uh, governor suspending constitutional rights there. Uh, we will get to that. But first, I want to go take a phone call from Keith uh, up in Rome, Georgia. Welcome to the show, Keith. How are you? Hey, Eric. How you doing? Good. Good. Uh, <clears throat> Anyway, yeah, I um, want to talk about my experience. It's pretty. My family is originally from New York City. Uh, when 9-11 happened, I was uh, at Rutgers University, and we could see the smoke on the horizon. Um, personally, I knew why it happened is because uh, the state police actually called me on my landline dorm phone 
to ask to come pick me up. They're picking up all EMTs, doctors, nurses, everybody to go to Ground Zero, and uh, they they showed up in a little bus. They said the bus is full. They'll come back and get me. Uh, they never came back. So I don't know what happened to those people. Shortly thereafter, the towers collapsed. Um, mm. Wow. Second thing is my uncle was in Tower Two, and he is alive today because he loves donuts. Um, he just happened to waddle downstairs to the donut shop down the block uh, right before the towers got hit. And uh, everyone in his office died except for him because he was out getting donuts. And we didn't hear from him for about three or four days because no cell phones. He actually mm-hmm. had to walk home. Um, and then <laughs> another one is my aunt was actually in flight school for a continental. She flew with him for a couple of years. Uh and when the attacks happened, they put on a TV in her class. Uh, three men of Middle Eastern descent stood up in the middle of the class. They said they were another cell. They were never told when to activate. They would just get the call. And they were in flight school for training to do the attack, and they walked out. So. Good grief. Wow. Uh, yeah, that'll make those, those interviews with the 9-11 Commission um, interesting. When, yep. You know, it's 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 remarkable that the, those, the number of stories of just people like your uncle walking out of the building to go get donuts and their life was saved. I know a guy, he, I, he wasn't a friend, just an acquaintance who died because he had a breakfast meeting. There was the Window in the World restaurant at the World Trade Center and uh, had to go to a breakfast and had never been there and, and really, really, really wanted to go and went up there and the planes hit, couldn't get out of the building and died. Um, it just, it's weird little coincidences like that, Keith. Thank you for that. Um, what a wild day that impacted so many people. Although, you know, so I gotta, I, I gotta say, this is, this is one that gets me every time I think about it and I still rarely do, but so I got into political writing in 2004. Redstate.com started. Some friends of mine started it. They, they brought me on day one, put me in charge of it. And one of the guys was friends with a progressive writer from San Francisco. And I will never forget, this would have been CPAC 2005. Right after after the Bush re-election, I had never been to CPAC before. Don't want to go to CPAC anymore. Um, but so I went up there. It was my very first time. It was in the international, the Reagan International Building in D.C. And we're hanging out with this this progressive writer from San Francisco. And she says she never understood the reaction. Over 9-11, it wasn't an attack on America. It was just an attack on two buildings in New York City that she didn't understand uh, people who went out and hoisted the American flag that that nobody in her community did. In San Francisco, it, it wasn't like it was an attack on San Francisco. Nobody was affected as far as she could tell. I'm like, are you crazy? That was really the first time I really encountered this diametrically opposed progressive view. Like I've always known Democrats and I've known liberals. I I mean, Lord knows I've I've known college professors who were super liberal, but I never had encountered someone who was so far progressive that they could look on that and say, nah, it's just an attack on two buildings in New York City. Wasn't an attack on America. I was like, do what? And that was kind of a a wake up call. Um, Really was, was just this odd wake up call for the United States and, and for so many people. And then it, it, it really started 
like on the left in particular, and even I guess the the libertarian right, um, the war in Iraq. I mean, the the data they claimed we had. I mean, it, it wasn't true. I'm very fine with Saddam Hussein being gone, um, but in hindsight, it does de- definitely look like there was a PR campaign to push a war in Iraq that we did not necessarily need to fight, and excuses were made. Um, in hindsight, in hindsight. But at the time, we went in. And I do think had we conducted ourselves differently and maybe done Afghanistan and done Iraq, we would look on the world differently. But it's all hindsight now. Woulda, shoulda, coulda. Uh, The reality is we went into Iraq, we went into Afghanistan. We brought down Saddam Hussein. We actually ran the Taliban out for a time in Afghanistan. Uh, And the world has profoundly changed since then. And a lot of American energy that went into the Middle East, we kind of dropped the ball on China and South America and the like. I mean, just think about, remember right after George Bush became president, what was the first major international incident? It was not 9-11. Right after George W. Bush became president, the Chinese captured an American spy plane, forced it to the ground as the pilot and crew were sabotaging the internal workings of the plane on its way down that the Chinese forced down. That was the very first international incident of the Bush administration. And that should have been at the time a big red flag about China's uh, ambitions. But we got distracted, uh, necessarily so, because of 9-11 and took our eye off China. And, well, we've seen what happened since. 877-973-7425. Scott, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Um, I attended an investment conference this weekend, and it, something that caught my my ear. This is a liberal crowd. These are bankers and private equity investors and, and the like, all Ivy League degrees. But during the discussion, they were openly saying, oh, yeah, we've been in a recession. Yeah, we, we all know we've been in a recession. We're probably going to continue to be in a recession for a while. Like, and that brought up the realization that there's what they say in public mm-hmm. and what they say in private. And there's a distinct problem with that. There's a distinct threat with that, that if you can't speak the truth, then people will make decisions using problematic facts. Right. As a country, we need to resolve that. And I don't quite know how to do it. Yeah, you're right. And and part of that is I do think at the upper echelons of a lot of companies, particularly finance companies, they're very worried about the Republican Party trend towards being more of a blue-collar worker party because the policy perspectives that you put in place for a working-class party over a Wall Street party are different. And there is a level of self-censorship one, from people who are scared of, of the Biden regime coming after them, and two, uh, they're afraid of hurting uh, the Democrats and the pro-Wall Street crowd because of uh, what might happen if you were to get a DeSantis or a Tim Scott or, or even a Donald Trump back in power. They, they self-censor themselves. I, I think we are in a stagflation scenario. I, I think we're in a 
recessionary scenario. And I think it's probably going to get worse when you look at some of the data out there, the inverted yield curve and things like that. I absolutely think that we could uh, be in a worse financial position by the time we get to Christmas. I'm working very hard right now to build some savings and pay off debts uh, for when that time comes. And I think other people should instead of continuing to, to max out credit cards. It's, it's becoming a financial burden on people. And you can't really trust what's being said on TV. In fact, you know, we've got the deficit situation and the debt. Uh, Joe Kernan uh, was on CNBC today calling out the deputy treasury secretary on the deficit reduction claims. Listen to this. I don't have I'm not going to talk about the hypotheticals. But what I can tell you is that ultimately what we know is that both sides want to reach a deal because it's in their economic interest. And ultimately, they're talking about how they're going to divide up an economy that's growing for the auto industry because of a number of choices they've made, but also the investments we've made like the IRA. So they're well positioned to cut this deal. That's what we expect them to do, to be in a position where they can continue to grow the U.S. auto sector, and that by doing that, we continue to grow the economy. $33 trillion and counting, I guess, Secretary, and it, I think $2 trillion this year added deficit. We hear the president consistently, and a lot of his people, bragging about having cut the deficit when it was a trillion last year. And it's a two trillion this year. Are you concerned? What about next year? What 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 should should we not be like perhaps misleading the public about how we've done with the deficit and start tackling it? So I think the truth is that we cut a deal with Republicans. No, no I know. I just down. mean big picture. What are we doing? Another two trillion? No, nope. we haven't cut the deficit this year. We doubled it from last year. I think big picture, the goal has got to be that we take steps to make sure that we have fiscal sustainability. The president's laid out a plan that includes $3 trillion of uh, bringing down, that will bring down the deficit. I think the question really is that what is the other side proposing? We've proposed increasing funding for the IRS so we can collect some of the money that people who don't pay pay. Ultimately, we have a gap in terms of the money the IRS is owed of about $600 billion a year. If we close that gap, that's up to $6 trillion over so the not, period. It's not how much we spend, it's how much we're taking in. No, I think we the president's also called for certain cuts. Um, and making sure that we're in a position where we can reduce the cost of health care, which is a huge cost in our economy, by cutting the cost of prescription drugs, mm -hmm. looking at ways that we can cut subsidies in the economy to oil and gas industry. But I think in order for us to get to a deal, you've got to have the other side be in a position where they have proposals that are credible going forward. And the president's willing to and committed to having that conversation to try and make sure that we're on a fiscally sustainable path. A fiscally sustainable path. We're, we're not, and they can't be honest with it, and that is the biggest problem we have right now. $33 trillion now in national debt, bigger than the rest of the economy. It's not sustainable. It's not good. And very few people in Washington care about it. Uh, Chip Roy, on the Republican side, one of the few, and he's vilified by both sides for demanding cuts gonna have to deal with this we got to be honest with our future greetings conversationalists welcome it is eric erickson here the phone number 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on the program a world beating deposit of lithium along the nevada oregon border could meet surging demand for the metal according to a new analysis this is from a Chemistry World. An estimated 20 to 40 million tons of lithium metal lie within a volcanic crater formed 16 million years ago. It's notably larger than the lithium deposits found beneath a Bolivian salt flat, previously considered the largest deposit in the world. If you believe their back-of-the-math envelope estimate, this is a very, very significant deposit of lithium, says Anna Borst, a geologist at UK Leuven University at the Royal Museum for Central Africa in Belgium. 
Is that not hilarious? The Royal Museum for Central Africa in Belgium. It could change the dynamics of lithium globally in terms of price, security of supply, and geopolitics. New analysis reveals that an unusual claystone composed of the mineral illite contains 1.3% to 2.4% of lithium in the volcanic crater. This is almost double the lithium present in the main lithium-bearing clay mineral, magnesium uh, smectite, which is more common. Now, why do I bring that up? Well, you will not be surprised to learn that environmentalists don't want us digging in the crater. They think it'd be bad for the environment. It is continually remarkable to me, continually remarkable to me, that this administration and the environmentalist movement seem to be steering themselves in terms of public policy towards whatever China wants. In fact, by not mining the lithium in our own backyard, also it's happening with a mine in Maine, we're giving the Chinese more and more say over the global supply of lithium. This is really, truly bizarre. The U.S. and Saudi Arabia are in talks to secure metals in Africa needed for both countries' energy transitions, and the White House is trying to curb China's dominance in the EV supply chain. Saudi Arabia is looking to buy $15 billion in global mining stakes. Any agreement could entail Saudi Arabia giving the U.S. a boost in its attempt to play catch-up with China, uh, except, again, our environmental groups in this country, probably funded by China, are trying to block all investments in lithium around the world from us. They want the Chinese to be dominant, which is very telling when American environmental groups are so invested in making sure China, which has a worse environmental record, reigns supreme in this stuff. You should be paying attention, and we should follow the money where we're able. Now, you, following the money in the stock market, get a little concerned with what's going on out there and some of the prognostications. You might want to think about precious metals as part of your portfolio to ease the ebbs and flows. Well, Swiss America has been the trusted leader in precious metals for 40 years in the United States. They help people protect their hard-earned assets, your money in a bank or on the stock market in a 401k. You know, there are rules regarding precious metals being part of your portfolio. Swiss America can help you with those. And right now, they're offering my listeners beautiful Walking Liberty half dollars, the amazing low price of $13.50 each. While supplies last, they limit 250 coins per customer. While supplies last, people, they are gorgeous coins. You get this amazing deal by calling or texting 800-289-2646, 800-289-2646, or visit SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. You mention Eric when you call or text 800-289-2646, or visit SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. Message and data rates may apply, 800-289-2646. You can call them or text them, mention my name, get the Walking Liberty half dollar for $13.50 each while supplies last. Erickson here across the nation. The full number is 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on the program. We must talk about the New Mexico uh, governor, Michelle Luan Grisham, who has decided to ban guns. Precedent is something I don't think a lot of people pay as much attention to as they should. One side uses the precedent of the other side to build things up. I'm going to say something, those of you on the left, 
really are going to be opposed to, but it's the God's honest truth that you just refuse to acknowledge. Donald Trump and Republicans in 2021 would not have stormed into the U.S. Capitol had Democrats not been storming into state capitals trying to shut down their legislatures first. The precedent mattered. Donald Trump would not have gone with gusto towards the stolen election stuff had you Democrats not done so first in 2016, 2004, and 2000. Your precedents mattered. Donald Trump just expanded the precedent. He didn't start it. This was not the first time people had stormed into a Capitol trying to disrupt the legislature from working. Democrats had done so in Wisconsin and Texas. They then later did it in Tennessee. And media and Democrats were totally fine with them doing it. And you can say uh, January 6th was different. No, 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 no. It was more expansive and it was to Congress. But you guys have been doing it in the state legislatures. All they did was took it to the next step to do it to Congress, to disrupt Congress. Your precedent mattered. Your claims of stolen election and Donald Trump and, and the lies, uh, they somewhat fall on deaf ears and unsympathetic ears because after 2000, Democrats were absolutely convinced that the election was stolen by George W. Bush. In 2004 and five, it was Jerry Nadler, the Democratic ranking member of the Judiciary Committee and others who tried to claim that Diebold machines were throwing the vote in Ohio to George W. Bush. And they were very serious and they were taken seriously by the media that did not want to take Donald Trump and his people seriously, but they just used the precedent the Democrats had set. Precedent matters. Republicans, in 2020, Donald John Trump, President of the United States, decided that he had emergency power and could issue guidelines to states to change the way they conducted elections, including drop boxes and the like. It was actually Donald Trump's administration that did that and also the power to shut down everything in the country because of COVID. Donald Trump encouraged state governors to use emergency powers, emergency health care powers. The president essentially acknowledged that the president had limited health care emergency powers, but the states had broad ones, and they should use broad emergency powers to shut down the governments. In fact, when Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, became the first governor in the nation to try to uh, reopen his state, Donald Trump blasted him for doing so. Yes, we can't forget that history. When Governor Brian Kemp in the state of Georgia decided to reopen the state of Georgia after his emergency powers, it was President Trump who blasted Brian Kemp, deeply criticized him three separate times for not wanting to maintain his emergency powers, given that President Trump had issued health care guidelines that let the states expand their emergency powers. I told the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, that I disagree strongly with his decision to open certain facilities which are in violation of the phase one guidelines for the incredible people of Georgia. They're incredible people. I love those people. They are, they're great. They've been strong, resolute, but at the same time, he must do what he thinks is right. I want him to do what he thinks is right. Uh, but I disagree with him on what he's doing, what I want to let the governors do. Now, if I see something totally egregious, totally out of line, I'll do. But I think spas and beauty salons and tattoo parlors and barber shops 
in uh, phase one, we're going to have phase two very soon, is just too soon. I think it's too soon. And I love the people. I love I love those people that use all of those things, the spas and the beauty parlors and barber shops, tattoo parlors. I love them. But they can wait a little bit longer, just a little bit, not, not much, because safety has to predominate. We have to have that. So uh, I told the governor very simply that I disagree with his decision, but he has to do what he thinks is right. That was the first of three times he publicly attacked Brian Kemp for not being willing to use his emergency powers. It was a precedent Republican set, the encouragement of emergency powers to deal with COVID. And now, just as Republicans have taken Democratic precedents and expanded them, the Democratic governor of New Mexico has taken the Republicans' emergency health care powers and expanded them to suspend the constitutional right to keep and bear arms in New Mexico. Yeah, I think this is something we have to contend with if we're intellectually honest, that where the January 6th incursion into the Capitol was just an expansion of the Democratic precedent to storm state capitals, and the Republican uh, insistence that the election was stolen was just playing off the Democratic precedent of 2000, 2004, and 2016. Well, the New Mexico governor is using the precedent set by Donald Trump and Republicans to uh, use emergency powers to suspend rights. This emergency order issued suspends the right to carry firearms in public in and around Albuquerque, New Mexico. She says it's because of recent shooting deaths that she can suspend this right. When questioned, the governor of New Mexico, Michelle Luan Grisham, says that her, get this, her fidelity to and adherence to her oath to protect, defend the Constitution is not absolute. She says she has no absolute duty to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. It's using a public health emergency. She said gun violence was a public health emergency. Now, you need to know that this woman is one of those progressive politicians who leads everybody out of prison, too. Gun violence is up in, in New Mexico as people going to jail is down. This is a constitutional matter. The National Association of Gun Rights has filed a lawsuit asking the court to asking the federal court to block the gun carry ban. That's a violation of the Second Amendment of the Constitution. In their court document, they say the carry provision infringes the right of the people, including the plaintiffs, to keep and bear arms is protected by the Second Amendment. There are significant penalties for violations of the law. She says the governor does this will be enforced by state police and violators will be subject to a $5,000 fine because of a gun epidemic, a violent epidemic. She says she consulted with the New Mexico Department of Homeland Security, the State Department of Public Health, and the State Department of Public Safety. If you're a Democrat, if you're a progressive, if you're a progressive and you are concerned with Donald Trump's breach of constitutional decorum, you should be concerned with this. I don't know that you are because you like this issue. But you should be. Ted Lieu, congressman from California, to his credit, has come out blasting this. 
and said this is unconstitutional. She can't do this, that, that Democrats should speak up about it. Most of them are not. A lot of Democrats and progressive activist groups and gun groups are defending the governor, saying it's not really a violation. She says responsible gun owners are certainly not our problem, have never been our problem. But if that's the case, then why is this happening to responsible gun owners? By the way, you should know the police chief for Albuquerque, New Mexico, says his office will not enforce this. He doesn't believe it's constitutional. The county sheriff says as well that uh, he believes it's unconstitutional and he will not enforce it. She has ordered the state police to enforce it. According to the Albuquerque police chief, Harold Medina, our officers will continue to focus on the enforcement of criminal laws and arresting criminals who are driving violent crime in the city. We've arrested over 200 murder suspects in the last two years, and field officers are making dozens of felony arrests every day. Everyone is stepping up to keep Albuquerque residents safe from the influx of guns and illegal drugs. The sheriff for the county says, while I understand and appreciate the urgency, the temporary ban challenges the foundation of our Constitution, which I swore an oath to uphold. I'm weary of placing my deputies in in positions that could lead to civil liability conflicts, as well as the potential risks passed by prohibiting law-abiding citizens from their constitutional right to self-defense. If you're a Republican, you need to understand Republicans under the Trump administration set the precedent of using public health care powers and emergencies to suspend your rights. And now this governor has expanded. All she did was she took what the Trump administration did and she's expanded it. If you're a Democrat and you're upset that Donald Trump's administration and Donald Trump did what he did on January 6th, you should be upset about this governor because I assure you Republicans will say, well, she did it. Look what I'm going to do. I don't think either side is ever as concerned about the precedents they're setting for the other side as they should be. They should genuinely, genuinely be concerned. Republicans and Democrats alike about the precedents both sides are setting. There is real concern. There should be real concern. Again, if you're concerned about Donald Trump trying to get Vice President Mike Pence to issue a novel interpretation of his powers to block the Electoral College, which you should be concerned about. You should really be concerned about the governor of New Mexico saying she doesn't have absolute uh, adherence to her oath to the Constitution, that she can issue a suspension of the Second Amendment, which is part of the Bill of Rights. You should be really concerned if you're a Democrat. I suspect many of you aren't because you don't really like that the Second Amendment is clearly in the Bill of Rights. You don't really like the gun rights within the Constitution. You think the Supreme Court got that wrong as as Republicans have thought they got Roe v. Wade wrong. You ain't seen nothing yet. Wait until Republicans decide to declare public health emergencies on life. Population dwindling? Well, we've got a public health emergency. We need to ban abortion. We need to suspend the right to commit an abortion in a state where it's legal. You just watch, Democrats. You ain't seen nothing yet if you're not willing to be vocal on this. If you're not willing to be vocal on this governor abusing her powers to suspend constitutional rights, you just wait and see the next precedent. Either shut it down now or you give tacket license to someone of a party you don't like 
amplifying and expanding the precedent. That's what happens every time. The moment Democrats in 2000 couldn't wrap their heads around George W. Bush winning and proclaimed the election stolen and illegitimate was the moment Republicans were given license to, in 2020, say the election was stolen. The moment Democrats in 2004 said diebold machines were stealing the election for George Bush was the moment that gave impetus to Republicans claiming the same about Dominion in 2020. The truth of the matter doesn't matter. The precedent matters greatly. And the precedent of this, this governor doing something like this, matters tremendously. But I would note the silence of the Democrats. They won't complain until the moment a Republican uses what she did to expand their own power and curtail a favored constitutional right of Democrats. And then they'll proclaim that this was not relevant and never happened, even though it did. And the precedents will keep getting bigger and worse for all of us. Now, I want to introduce you to a new product from Eden Pure. Y'all all know about the thunderstorm. Let me tell you about a product I've been using on my front porch. It is a fan and it's also a heater. It does both. It heats and it cools. It's the Eden Pure 360 air fan. It's a super powerful heater. It pumps large amounts of infrared heat into a room. And it's also an air circulator, so it keeps you cool in the summer months. It's also very quiet. I've been using this on my front porch. And it close. It, I, I got one last wintertime. And I used it as a way to supplement the heat from the, the gas-burning um, the heaters that we had on the front porch. And it worked. It works inside, obviously, way better than it works outside. It really can heat up a room. It can also circulate the air and cool you down because you can turn the heater element off. It has a very strong, very quiet fan. The heating function uses infrared heat from a specially treated circular copper PDH heating element. It doesn't dry out the air. It evenly heats the room. The airflow circulator creates rapid cooling sensation with this jet-like propulsion of air. It works really rapidly, circulates the air in an entire room in just minutes. You can heat and cool a 1,000 square feet. There are no bulbs to burn out or replace. It's bladeless technology, so it's safe. Here's what you need to do if you're interested in this, and I like them. Y'all, I, I actually have one. I do use it. They actually just sent me a new one because uh, I've used the one outside. I use it inside. It works, and it's quiet. I really like that it's quiet. It's a fan, and it's also a heater. You go to EdenPureDeals.com. You use the code ERIC360, E-R-I-C-K 360. You get over $25 off the lowest price listed. You get free shipping. It's starting to cool down now. You're starting to think about cool temperatures at night and easy ways to warm a small space. It's 98% more energy efficient than air conditioning while saving you money. It runs whisper quiet. You're not going to have loud noises. I can use it with my friends, and we still have good conversation. It doesn't bother us. It is EdenPureDeals.com, the discount code ERIC360, ERIC360, EdenPureDeals. You can get the EdenPure360 air fan. It heats and it cools. It circulates the air great. EdenPureDeals.com, discount code ERIC360. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, well, it is too late. I apologize to those of you who hadn't gotten to. Not going to be able to get to your phone calls here at the end. Um... I, I I got I need to talk about this. You know, on Sundays, I have friends over and we watch football. Well, football ends and we're struggle. We struggle for a while to find things. We watch hockey. Eventually, baseball comes back. We watch that. There's this weird period in the year though where there's nothing to watch because we don't watch basketball. We'll watch stand up comedy or something. We're just not big basketball fans, and we're certainly not going to watch women's soccer. But football is back. 
My gosh, I watched the Giants-Cowboys game last night with Philip. What a brutal game for the Giants. A great game for the Cowboys. You'll note I have not mentioned the Alabama game against Texas. Uh, this is the first time Alabama lost its opener at home uh, since the first year Saban started, 2007. That's kind of a harbinger. I'm wondering if Saban is Ruth Bader Ginsburging his time at uh, at, at Alabama, like Ruth held on so long, she died, and we got Amy Coney Barrett is, is Saban holding on so long that he's going to wipe out the the team to like his his assistant coaches who now coach elsewhere. I don't know. Um, we'll see. Saban, Saban, though I wouldn't count him out. Um, there's still sulfurous smell out. <laughs> but but larger point here, not not to not to laugh at that. I actually admire what Saban's been able to do and. Uh, Joe Burrow signed a contract a couple days ago to be the highest paid NFL quarterback and then blew his game against the Browns. What I find kind of notable and actually kind of alarming is the sudden rapid shift to sports betting. The entry to college football and the NFL now is riddled with uh, DraftKings and FanDuel and Bally and um, everybody betting and the encouragement of particularly young men to bet on sports. I'm not opposed to people betting on games. I will play the craps table in Vegas. But I'm a little bit concerned about how uh, the NFL, ESPN, the NCAA, and others are more and more weaving betting into sports as a critical component of the game, that it's not just enough to enjoy the game, you got to bet on the game. This is going to lead us to a terribly bad place, particularly for young men who are incentivized by culture and the media and the sporting institutions to place bets on the game. It's not going to end well, and it's readily foreseeable that young men are being preyed upon and don't know any better, and they're going to be in a serious world of hurt because of it. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.